Welcome to another episode of VC On Air. Let's all welcome our host, the founder of Click Ventures, Carmen Chan. And today, she will be joined by Thomas Burrell from Polymath. In this episode, Thomas talks about his company, which is helping to simplify the process of STO. As we know, not all startups have the manpower or the know-how of dealing with STOs. Thomas's company helps to solve this problem. It lets people who have even basic knowledge about blockchain create their own STOs. Let's also dive deeper into the difference between IPO and STO with Thomas. He will give us his insights on when it makes sense for a company to go the IPO route versus the STO route during fundraising. Hello, Thomas. Hello. Thank you for uh, going to our show, VC On Air. So I'm an investor myself also, and I have a lot of questions even in my own mind as an investor. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to understand more about uh, what Polymath is doing in the security token area. Sure, absolutely. So first of all, thank you for, uh, for having me on your show. It's, uh, it's very kind. So uh, what Polymath does is we're a security token issuance platform. And so the way we've, we've structured that security token issuance platform is essentially in, in three critical components. You have the smart contracts mm -hmm. that, are, that are there to enforce the regulation. And so we've built a very modular token that allows you to attach specific uh, regulation uh, requirements to your token to have them enforced programmatically. And mm -hmm. so with our goal being to make security tokens simple and accessible to all, what we realized is that not everyone has the team that can interact with smart contracts. Mm -hmm. Lots of companies want to do STOs, but not everybody knows how to interact with a Solidity smart contract. Mm -hmm. So we built a decentralized application that sits mm -hmm. on top of those smart contracts. So you basically go through a web interface to program your security, mm -hmm. your security token, uh, create your security token, and then program your STO and mm -hmm. schedule your STO. Mm -hmm. And so that was sort of the second aspect of it. Um, again, going back to making it simple and accessible, the third constituent to making an STO is having the team to work with. Advisory, legal, KYC, custody, marketing. Mm -hmm. And so in, in all the interaction that we've had with issuers, uh, we've had you know, both bookends. We've had companies that have people on staff that can do the advisory, the legal, uh, and, and they have partners they've identified from a KYC perspective, all the way to others that are basically on their own. You know, they have a great idea. They have a, a, a great business proposal. They want to tokenize, do a fundraise, sell equity, but they don't know where to start. They don't know who to talk to. And so what we've done is inside the decentralized application, we've created a marketplace mm -hmm. where advisors, um, lawyers, securities lawyers, KYC, marketing, and custodians uh, can be connected to issuers. So as an issuer, I go in, I pick who I want to work with, I apply for their services, mm -hmm. we engage in a business relationship, and then they're going to help me, they're going to be part of my team to create my security token. That's very interesting. So as an investor, mm -hmm. I, I'm thinking, you know, liquidity is one of the 
think that uh, very important for investor. Yeah. So when we give advice to our portfolio company, so how they how do they choose whether going on the IPO track or the security token track? Because if you compare the IPO track in small exchange, mm-hmm. like some of those regulated small exchange, the cost is not as high as the main exchange. Mm-hmm. And when you compare to the security token track, um, there's still a, a question mark on how big is the market size, how yep. much money I can raise from uh, issuing a STO. So how do you compare these two tracks? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question. The the sort of mid-tier IPO track versus the STO, the STO track. When we look at it from a fundraising perspective, both have a very viable paths mm-hmm. and both will attract different investors. And so what we have seen with the issuers that we're engaged with, uh, they're typically more akin to engaging with the STO type investor because of what they do and having that type of investor more in tune with the type of technology they're developing, the type of mm-hmm. product they're developing versus more traditional money. That's that's one of the aspects. Mm-hmm. The second one is, sure, they could do both, but there's mm-hmm. so much more efficiency in um, in the, the use of STO, um, starting with the token that you can have, you can associate disclosure information to the token and update it here, and then it gets disseminated to all your token holders, right? Because they mm-hmm. can look at their token and look at the uh, the disclosure information. Uh, your ledger that is constantly updated, mm-hmm. and it only becomes an intersection of what you can see on the public ledger with the information that you have from KYC. And having that programmatic enforcement of regulation um, to some degree is is comforting because if you understand how the smart contract will allow or disallow transactions, not at the point of issuance, but the secondary trade, mm-hmm. then you, you have much better control over it, right? I don't want to have more than 2,000 investors. That's fine. There's an option for that. I can turn it on, and there will not be more than 2,000 wallets that carry my token. Programmatically, it will not happen, mm-hmm. right? And so it eliminates uh, a lot of the tasks that, um, some have been traditionally very manual, mm-hmm. and they can be done simply by having the smart contract enforce them, or the public ledger make the information available to all. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a bit of both. There's, there's business benefits, and there's uh, there's mm-hmm. technological benefits. Mm-hmm. So you just mentioned that um, STO has STO type of supporter investors. Mm-hmm. So how do you see some of the traditional business? They are going through the reverse ICO, mm-hmm. having their uh, products and services um, offer a token backed by the asset mm-hmm. of the uh, the current product or services. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of those more traditional institutional investors, mm-hmm. uh, we're starting to see them uh, very interested in in STO because of the efficiency, because of access to other trading methodologies, you know, OTC, ATSs, and, and down the line, securities exchange, security token exchanges when, when licenses are available. But, you know, there's a lot today, there's a lot of ATSs that are popping up for their licenses. And so the reverse of the ICO, right, so essentially going from a utility to a security to sort of clean up the, the slate is something that we see happen. You know, we've all seen some STOs that claim to be STOs but did 
the KYC at the point of issuance, but had no enforcement on secondary trades. And so what that led to is, you know, some organizations KYC'd 150 people, and then six months later they have 1,200 token holders, but they still know 150 of them. Right? And so that's where proper security token design, like the one we created, controls initial issuance as well as the secondary trades. So now you have pr uh, proper compliance with the regulation, proper mm -hmm. compliance with the reporting requirements that you need to meet from a regulatory standpoint. I see. So it's like automation of part of the process, right? Correct. Correct. There's a lot, exactly. And so because it is done programmatically, um, no one can really tinker with it, right? The program is black or white, it does this or it does that, right? And it, you program the rules and, and they get executed. And the automation eliminates uh, a lot of the stress. Mm -hmm. yeah. I see. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So do you have any example that you think a certain sector would be a very good use case for STO? Yeah, so we, we originally thought that um, there would be one sector that would sort of drive um, STOs forward. And what we have seen through the engagement uh, that we've had with some issuers is that there's obviously a lot of attraction from a real estate perspective because there's been historically a lot of illiquid assets within real estate and so mm -hmm. tokenization can bring additional uh, liquidity into uh, uh, into that space but uh, we've seen a very broad range of, of instruments being tokenized mm -hmm. you know it, it's not like I could you know come here and, and, and tell your audience that you know 80% is one thing it's, it's actually not it's it's nicely evenly mm -hmm. spread between technology companies between funds uh, between real estate, those are sort of the, the top three that we see. But then, you know, within the equity play, we see some uh, technology company, healthcare companies, like a, a broad array of, uh, of organizations embracing tokenization, which uh, to, uh, you know, to, to some extent is, is quite comforting and it's mm -hmm. quite reassuring because it means... The tokenization is not mm -hmm. specific to an instrument, is not specific to a product or a vertical or, a, or an industry. Mm -hmm. There is a broad interest in tokenization. Mm -hmm. Every industry sees benefits into it. Mm -hmm. uh, Can what, you give us some examples? Uh, so it's difficult, to, uh, it's difficult to give examples because mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of the issuers that come and talk to us mm -hmm. and, and engage in a conversation with us engage in that conversation because they they want to understand the the minutiae of how the smart contract works so we have calls with their lawyers to explain to them exactly how the smart contract works um, but we can't really talk about them because we're a technology company we're not a we're not a broker mm -hmm. and so as a result of that uh, because they're doing fundraise right now, citing names isn't something we're in a position to do, as I'm sure you, you can understand. Mm -hmm. But, you know, broadly speaking, uh, we have, you know, real estate equity uh, that are, um, you know, that are part of, uh, part of that and, and funds as well that are tokenizing themselves. Mm -hmm. In terms of specifics, that's, that's about as low as I can get mm -hmm. for the reasons that I just mentioned. So you mentioned real estate. Yes. Um, I'm also a real estate investor myself. Mm -hmm. I invest in a lot of property. So for the U.S., uh, for the real estate case, yeah. um, is, is it most of the STO is related to uh, providing secondary transaction for the ownership 
of the real estate to be like a fraction of it's, the ownership? We see more on REITs, uh, REITs? real estate investment okay. trusts. Yes, we see uh, we see that more on REITs. But uh, again, it's it's starting to diversify itself mm-hmm. a bit. And you know, we're uh, we're in minute one of. STO world. I mean, mm-hmm. sure, things are moving, moving very, very fast, which is mm-hmm. which is fascinating and very exciting. But uh, you know, we're nowhere near having reached the point of maturity. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's still, you know, a lot of a lot of learnings that are coming from uh, that are coming from it. A lot of exposure that is yet to be had across new industries. Mm-hmm. But it's very, very interesting to see the level of attraction cross cross industries cross instruments, cross products. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's comforting. It's very, very mm-hmm. exciting. Mm-hmm. I see. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And on the show goes. This has been VCOnAir.com. Catch us again next time for another interesting episode and discussion. Thank you for listening. Have a good day.